September 8, 2011, The First Church and Parish in Dedham, The Nature of Poverty by the Reverend Raleigh Weaver. In 1964, in a response to a poverty rate hitting 19%, then-President Lyndon Johnson declared a war on poverty in his State of the Union address. Johnson believed that his plan was an extension of Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, which promised four freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. His speech inspired Congress to pass the Economic Recovery Act and to open the Office of Economic Opportunity, which in turn set up funds pinpointed to end the problems of poverty. Over time, these welfare programs had an enormous impact on the needs of the poor in our country, bringing the poverty rate from 21% of 1960 to the 11.7 rate of 1991. But then, in response to the decades-long public debate over what had been perceived as the blank check with little incentives and no accountability of our public welfare system, the Republican Congress under the Clinton administration passed the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Act, which replaced such programs as aid to needy families with temporary assistance for families with needy children. If, as the classical economist Adam Smith described at the time of the American Revolution, poverty is the lack of those necessities that the custom of the country renders it decent for credible people, even the lowest order to be without, then it seems natural that the shape of social programs over time would be dramatically affected by the whims of social stereotypes and the conditions of the economy. Flash forward to the news of this week of our own changing economy and our current president and Congress's attempts to encourage jobs and change tax structures to decrease our national debt. On the radio and television and in the newspaper, we hear countless personal stories and the need feels so great it is difficult to know how to focus our intentions to meet the dramatic human need. What is the nature of poverty? Is it something that can be remedied as the four promises of Roosevelt's New Deal might imply? Or is poverty something that will always be with us and its eradication something one might pursue without expectation of ever achieving? Or do people just choose to be poor? To answer these questions, I think it would be necessary to remove the real debate from the human nature of this problem. Without a face or a real person behind the lack of health care, the desperate need of the hungry, and the children without winter clothes, it might be easy to consider whether freedom from want and freedom from fear should be goals of our society. As your minister, though, I'm often invited into people's lives in ways that make the issue of poverty less an esoteric consideration and more a real increasing dilemma. 
Over the past 18 months, I have seen the faces of young children and old men and old women and mothers of small children, parents and individuals all struggling to pay their bills, keep food on the table, and to get work. I will admit that I sometimes feel put out by the calls by non-parishioners to my cell phone. I sometimes feel annoyed at the knock at my door. Often, my defensiveness puts a barrier between these strangers and myself, and I wonder if they are telling me the truth and what I could possibly do to make a difference. I want to help, but my resources are limited, and more often than not, I find myself giving the same laundry list of suggestions to support agencies and doing what I can and then shutting the door. Just yesterday afternoon, when I was trying to write this sermon, a woman called me and asked for some help. The calls these days are increasingly the same. I need money for electricity, I need money for food, I need money for a bus ticket, or my electric bill, or for shoes and socks for the winter, or to pay my rent. I spent my summer reading about the nature of poverty and the needs of our children and the difference between justice and charity. I had thought this sermon would be an eloquent argument for the need to encourage our government to create permanent systems to support the needs of its citizens. But these days, the conflicting accounts of the problem, the discrepancy between my individual struggles and the urgency of need in the voices of those who ask me for help, makes a philosophical discussion of the nature of poverty seem shallow and somewhat ridiculous. In another sermon I gave last spring about the difference between charity and justice work, I spoke of the importance of building relationships across economic lines and quoted Pamela Coulter from her book Child Poverty, Love, Justice, and Social Responsibility, where she spoke of the poverty of tenuous connections. Over the months since, I have met all these real citizens of our town who are in want and fear that do not expect liberty and cannot pursue happiness in our times. I cannot stifle the echo of that phrase. The poverty of tenuous connections is the common thread of every person who has asked for help from me in the past two years. The poverty of tenuous connections is the common thread that was erased when the welfare system in our country was given time limits. The poverty of tenuous connections is the gulf our generation needs to bridge. Imagine being a mother with two small children and getting bed bugs in your apartment and having to throw everything you own away and then trying to find the clothes and blankets and socks and shoes to be warm in the winter. Or imagine a storm moving through and losing electricity for two or three days and having no one to take your food to and having all of the food in your freezer and refrigerator go bad and then trying to replace it when you only have food vouchers and the food pantry to depend on. Imagine depending on your car for work and living paycheck to paycheck just to pay your bills, and then having your timing belt break and trying to get to work in a remote location. I believe it is ridiculous in a capitalistic economy and a free society to pretend that we could ever eradicate poverty and homelessness. 
What I do think is a realistic goal is to eradicate this poverty of tenuous connections. In fact, I think that is what Roosevelt was trying to do with this New Deal, and I think that is what Johnson tried to do with the Great Society. These systems may have mixed results and they may not have been sustainable, but that does not mean the need they were trying to serve wasn't real. What happened as a result of the time limits to services that were created with the Welfare Reform Act of 1996 is that people fall off the careless but still need care. This is reflected in the increased poverty rates and the increased coming, people coming to ministers for help. To realize true justice within our time, we must advocate for permanent systems that bridge the tenuous connections and create real ones. We can do this by helping make a permanent home for our food pantries and places like the St. Vincent de Paul Society. We can support their efforts to raise money and meet the need. We can strengthen the connections within our own congregation so that if someone needs a ride to the doctor or a meal or getting to work, we can be there. And we can call our senators and congressmen and let them know that we are concerned about AFDC and the lack of support for families. In our time, the answer is to give what we can when we can, to open our hearts and our minds to the needs that surround us, to listen without judgment and strengthen the connections to meet the real human need.